And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, gang, we are back in regular routine again. Well, not really regular routine. I have a a, a special uh, thing I'm going to do today, and I think I'm going to do it each week for the month of October, you know, to commemorate Halloween, uh, Samhain, and and, and momentarily I'm going to read a story. And it 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 came from the idea um, on the Jesus Modcast podcast network. Every Thursday, Mike Lutz is uh, the host. Well, now he's co-host because him and and Jason Bashard uh, are a team. But before Jason came in, Mike was doing a solo gig, and when Jason came in. He he kind of fell into that routine, and then Jason wasn't able to to do a show, so Mike found himself by uh, doing a solo gig. And because he really didn't have much to talk about, he decided to read a story. And I thought that was a really good idea. Now, I have done that myself in the past with, like, Who's the Boss? But this was a long, long time ago. And I'm not trying to fill content or anything like that because I that's kind of what I did when I did the who's the boss and I think it was called who's or uh, tell me a story or something like that. And I just, I had nothing to say for that week. So I just read a story and I, I liked the idea. I totally forgot about it until Mike did it. And I was like, wow, that's a great idea. And, uh, I talked to Stephanie Barty for the world of myth bits. And I know that she's got something planned for Halloween too. And, I do have my regular, you know, articles of the week and toy of the week, which is actually going to be kind of themed all this month as well for Halloween. Um, I've got all that lined up as well. And depending on how fast I go through the story, you can, or not you can, but we will uh, dive into what I have for articles this week. Now, uh, Here's the fun thing is if you want to read along, okay, you can go to www.theworldofmyth.com, okay? Once you're there, you can click on the – well, you, you'll have uh, two versions. You'll have a black version and a light version. The black version is the retro version, which was what the website looked like because we're celebrating uh, – well, we celebrated. It's, it's pretty much over now. Um, and, well, that's not necessarily true. It's going to be up until like the 23rd of this month of October, and then 24th we're, we're rolling into our Halloween issue. Uh, but you, you click on the white version, and up at the top you'll see it says contributors. You click on that bad boy. And then you see the alphabet, click on M, then you'll see a list of M names, click on David K. Montoya, okay? And once you're there, 
you go over and you scroll down to the horror section. Now, I've only done a handful of horrors. And I've, I, I'm going to read probably the majority. Well, I'm thinking like, okay, because I have Foresight, Foresight 2, Riding Shotgun, uh, Cursetone, and Call of the Blackbird. Now, uh, I don't know. I, I, let's see what happens. Um, because... Like I was, I'm I'm planning on reading uh, writing writing shotgun tonight, so click on that, and we will start in just a minute. But uh, you'll be able to go to the world of myth. I'll tell you where to go, like because I know there's uh, up in fantasy, it's it's sleepy sleepy hollow, and it's just my retelling of the the Ichabod Crane um, story of Sleepy Hollow, and technically that that is a Halloween story. If it, if there's ever a Halloween story, you know. Uh, Washington Irving's Sleepy Hollow is a Halloween story. So uh, that may be thrown in the max as well. Uh, so I'm trying to think of where I want to go. So we're here. We're under horror section. Click on Riding Shotgun. And a white page will shoot up and it'll say the world of myth magazine. And you'll notice that the, the background is now changed. It's white with different lettering. And that is because this is an old edition of the magazine. This is coming from issue number 39 way back when I want to say it's almost been 10 years ago. Uh, no, it's been 11 years ago. And so we archive everything. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this bad boy and I'm going to do my best and I hope you enjoy it. And like I said, if, if it does, if I go by it really fast, then we will deviate to the articles. If not, then we'll just jump to toy of the week because I think toy of the week is kind of something that we all look forward to. Okay, here we go. Read along if you want, because it'll be fun. Riding Shotgun by David K. Montoya Ben had been driving for hours. He was on his way back home and currently heading on the I-15 towards Vegas. Ben had gotten word the other day that a close friend from college had been killed in a freak car accident. It had been over six years since he last visit. He had never been a family person. Ben's plan was to stay for only a few days before heading back to Aspen, swearing to himself that he would never go back, unless it was a matter of great importance. Which this was. The person responsible for his success was dead, and he felt that it was his duty to honor Bobby's memory at the wake on Friday. He had gotten word of the accident on Tuesday afternoon. Just as he was finishing up a lecture, his assistant handed him a small piece of paper. Just as he was stepping down from the podium, Ben opened the small folded piece of notepad paper, but he did not read it right away. A few hours later, as he was pulling a set of keys from his pocket. 
Ben remembered the note. Finally opening the letter, it read. Mark called. He said that Bobby had been killed in a car accident. Within a couple of hours, Benjamin was on the road, heading back to his hometown in California. 12.44 in the morning, Ben said to himself as he looked at his wristwatch. I should be in Barstow by at least three. As he traveled down the darkened road, Reyes started to become uneasy with a spine-chilling silence. Trying to take his mind away from the eerie feeling he had, the man's eyes landed on the radio. Without hesitation, Ben turned on the radio and started to thumb through the stations, trying to find something that would come in. Eventually, he came across the station playing Orson Welles' original radio play, The War of the Worlds. That'll do, he said. Only a few miles further up the road, a signal began to break up. Ben attempted to readjust the dial, but eventually gave up and turned off the radio altogether. Stupid piece of shit, Ben shouted while slamming his fist up against the radio. No sooner did he start to feel better when the sensation of fright returned. Ben attempted to talk himself out of it, blaming it on the darkness. Darkness was something of which the young man never liked. Searching his thoughts more, Reyes questioned himself as to why being alone in the dark bothered him so. Then it came to him. Benjamin Reyes, come here this instant, Ben's father demanded. Young Ben did not like that tone in his father's voice. He knew that his dad had been drinking, and he also knew it was not safe to make him call twice. So he quickly said, Come in, Papa. The boy peeked around the corner and saw the old man setting his recliner. He could make out the man was waving his belt back and forth. Ben knew he was in some sort of trouble. Papa, what did I do wrong? Ben asked as he walked up to his father. Nothing, son. I just wanted you to come here. He replied with a slight smile. Page 2 The young child walked up to his father and faced him. Ben could smell the cheap whiskey lingering from the old man's breath. The boy knew what was in store for him. He could see the anger now. Without a word being said, the drunken man quickly stood up from his chair, grabbed the little boy by his hair and started to violently strike Benjamin with the leather belt. His cries echoed throughout the house, but there was no one to come to his aid. After the whipping, the old man 
drug his son into a closet where he would lock him for the rest of the day. The tender boy would not say a word for hours on end. The only sound that came from the small child was a soft hum. He would hold his legs tightly and comfort himself against the surrounding darkness. Once Benjamin reached the bottom of the mountain, a clunk sound came from the front of the vehicle. He was the only able to get his car to go a few more miles up the road before the engine completely died. When the car came to a complete stop, Ben got out and walked around to the front. As he opened the hood, dark, thick smoke rised from the engine. Damn it! he shouted. Pulling out his cell phone, Ben got back inside his car. When he tried to use it, he noticed that the phone's screen was flashing an out-of-service area message. Getting out of the car and slamming the driver's side door, Benjamin walked away. After traveling for hours up the road on foot, he had an uneasy feeling that someone was following him. Increasing his pace with each step, he moved quickly up the road, refusing to look back and to see if someone was indeed following him. Ben heard a strange noise that came behind him. His pace quickly escalated into a full-on sprint. As he ran down the dim highway, he began to hear a voice from the dark calling out to him. Come to me. No! Leave me alone! Running as fast as he could, Reyes could feel the heat of someone's breath on the back of his ear as he heard, Come into the darkness with me. Leave me the hell alone! We can taste your soul. He saw up ahead of him the city lights and thought to himself that he would be safe once he reached the city limits. That was until he felt someone grab the back of his collar and begin to pull him down into what seemed to be a pool of darkness. No! Ben screamed out. Once he came to his senses, Ben was standing in the center of a small run-down town. As the young man looked around, he noticed a sign saying, Welcome to Barstow. But he wondered how that could be possible, since he was just a few miles from the outskirts of town. What the hell is going on here, he thought to himself, while he tried to catch his breath. Shaking uncontrollably, Ben lowered himself to the curb and tried to regroup his thoughts. 
Sitting there, he wiped the sweat from his forehead and let out an unsteady sigh. The young Benjamin sat alone inside the dark closet. He continued to hold himself tight and rock back and forth. As he soothed his fear, Ben continued to hum to himself softly, while the evil snickers lurked all around him. Page 3 His soft hum was interrupted with the calling of the child's name, Benjamin. Benjamin. We know you are there. We can smell your soul. He replayed his little tune, now in a higher tone, while rocking with more force. He felt the terror that was in his tiny room with him. Ben closed his eyes tightly, trying to act as if he did not hear the voices. But they still called out to him. Why do you ignore us, Benny? We only want to play with you. Come over to us, and we'll play a fun game. Leave me alone, please, the boy pleaded. Come on, it will be fun. Please, I'm scared. Just leave me alone. There's nothing to be afraid of. Come with us and we will take good care of you. I said go away, please! Screamed Ben. Then he could feel hands with long fingers clutch his shoulders the breath heated the back of his neck. Benny. Benny. Tell me. Do you know what hell is? Hey, buddy. Are you alright? A voice called out, causing Ben to come too. Looking up, a blinding light was flashed in his eyes. Placing his hands up to block the shine from out of his face, Ben could now see the light was coming from a police cruiser. Yeah, yeah, I just got a little lightheaded, and so I sat down for a moment, Ben replied. The officer turned off the light and allowed Ben to be able to see again. Not completely sure whether Ben was a threat or not, the cop slowly made his way over to him. He was a few steps away when the officer asked, So are you doing out here in the middle of the night? 
my car broke down a few miles back. So I walked into town. I was getting ready to, to look for a phone to call a ride to come pick me up. There's one about three blocks down, the cop said as he got back into his car. Oh, and if I were you, I would stay in the light. What? Ben asked. The officer did not give him an answer as he closed the door and abruptly drove away, which caused Ben to feel even more uneasy about his current situation. With a heavy sigh, he got to his feet and slowly started in the direction of where the nearest phone would be. Traveling up the lit sidewalk, Ben could once again feel the evil that resided in the darkness. Just when his nerves were about to give, there it was, the phone booth, only a few steps away. But that did not stop the laughter of the beast that waited for him. Benjamin, come out and play. Go away, he said, now only a few steps away. Benjamin, why won't you share your delicious soul? The voice growled. With one less step, he entered the safe confines of the phone booth. Standing there for a moment in relief, Ben could feel the warmth of the small light of the booth, which was above him. He knew now that everything was going to be all right as he placed a call to Mark. After only a 20-minute wait, Mark pulled up to find that his friend Ben was still in the phone booth waiting. With a honk of his horn, Ben dashed from the stall and into the waiting car. Betty, how you doing, buddy? Mark asked. I... I, I'm doing okay, I guess. I, I'm glad you're here, though, Ben replied. Page 4 Pulling away from the booth, no one said a word. It wasn't until they turned back onto the interstate when Benjamin said, I can't believe Bobby died. He was so young and full of life. How could something like that happen to a guy like him? Yeah, he was a good guy. But let's not think about that right now. This is like old times. I'm here. You're here writing shotgun. What could be better? Mark asked as he drove off into the darkness. That was a beautiful service, Miss Heckman. I'm sure Mark would have been pleased, one of the mourners said. Thank you, Bobby. But what happened to your friend Benjamin? Mark used to talk so highly of him. 
I don't know, Miss Hackman. I called him and left him a message with his assistant, but he never called me back. I guess he's just too busy to come, Bobby said. The end. Well, I, I, I hope you like that. That was really fun to do. And just so happens we still have enough time to 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 get into our regular routine. Um, so I'm going to push pause here, let take a quick drink, because believe it or not, I read through that entire thing with one take. Um, so give me a minute, let me refresh my voice, and then we will get to the second part of this. I'll be right back. Okay, I am back. Uh, so what we are going to do is we are definitely going to jump into our regular routine as where I have one comic book story, one movie story, one cartoon story, one TV story, and toy of the week. Now, um, first, before I get into that, I want to talk about what I just did. Let me know if you like that. Um, I it might be something that I I might be interested in doing, like at least you know once a month. Uh, it's it's definitely fun, and I I just I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I realized. So thanks, Mike, for you know giving me that inspiration. And l listeners, if there's anybody that actually listens to this show, let me know. I I would like to to know if you guys would like me to keep going all right first piece of news uh, this week uh we're gonna start with comic book news and it is marvel teases tony stark's death in iron man 2020 event now uh before i start reading that it kind of makes sense because you know they killed off iron man in the cinematic universe and yeah yeah it just it makes sense uh, let's see. I did not know that his middle name was Edward. And it, it's a picture. It looks like Iron Man's suit leaning on a cracked headstone. And it says, here lies Anthony Edward Stark, Iron Man, R.I.P. And then you see Tony's hand reaching up from the grave. And the article says, Marvel Comics has released a new teaser for Iron Man 2020. With the artwork done by... I. Lee, depicting Arno Stark, Tony Stark's brother, donning the Iron Man 2020 armor over the grave of Tony Stark. The headstone of the grave reads, Here lies Anthony Edward Stark, Iron Man, R.I.P. No other details were provided for the teaser, but Marvel has been hinting at an Iron Man 2020 event or story arc in the pages of Iron Man or Tony Stark, Iron Man, Arno Stark returns to Tony Stark, Iron Man number five, and a variant cover for the conclusion of Ultron Agenda in issue 19 to find Iron Man 2020 pulling Iron Man apart with an ominous 2020 in the background. Okay, interesting. Let's see, created in 1984, War Machine number two, Arno Stark, Iron Man 2020, was the first cousin once removed, although 
sometimes nephew of Tony Stark in alternate Earth. After gaining control of the Iron Man armor, Arno served as a mercenary and worked with the villain subset, or excuse me, sunset Bane against the resurrected War Machine. Okay. That looks kind of crappy, but okay. I don't, because they've, they've got like gears on his shoulder and uh, uh, yeah, that doesn't serve any practical purpose. That's just something I noticed though. Uh, let's see. It says Kiron Gillen and Del Eagleham, Eaglesham introduced a different version of Arno to Earth 616 during the secret origin of Tony Stark. Though there wasn't much of a connection between the character and the original. More details will be released, released later this week at the New York Comic Con. Well, there you go. That's uh, interesting. So what do you think? What do you think of this new Iron Man? Uh, I just, I don't like it. It's, again, he's got gears on his shoulders. And that serves no practical purpose. Uh, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm being picky. I'm, a, I'm being a picky fanboy. All right, where do we want to go next? Oh, you know what? This is something that caught my attention. I was like, wow, okay. So... I have not watched any CW stuff. Um, I've been I'm I'm in the create mode and not being. Oh, how do I say this? Oh, okay, here we go. I'd rather be entertaining than be entertained. That's where I'm at right now. So I'm not. I haven't been watching anything. I just went and bought a crap ton of movies I haven't even watched yet. So that's kind of where I'm at. I guess after PCE and everything else, I'll, I'll start working on things. But as of right now, no. So with that said. The headline is Batwoman Ruby Rose face emergency surgery paralysis after stunt injury. That is hardcore. That is really not something that's not good news for the fans of the Batwoman. It says Batwoman star Ruby Rose revealed she was almost paralyzed after suffering a stunt injury which required emergency surgery. Rose shared the news in her personal video posted on her Instagram account. She captioned the video with the message to everyone asking about my new Pez dispenser scar on my neck. A couple of months ago, I was told I needed an emergency surgery or I was risking becoming paralyzed. I had a herniated two discs during a stunt and there were close to several or severing my spinal cords. I was in chronic pain and yet couldn't feel my arms. Yeah, that's kind of what happens. That sucks. Okay. Uh, wow. Okay. That's that's kind of hardcore. They're actually on her um, Instagram page. They literally have her on the bed, intubated, and you know, doing her thing. And. That's that's pretty hardcore to see. I mean, anybody, yeah, that's just not 
I mean, I, I was in the medical field for 20 years. That still doesn't really set well with me, you know, seeing somebody intubated. Different versions of Batworld, Batwoman have recently appeared in the DC Universe. Young Justice team met Batwoman of Earth-3 and Batman Beyond Future also debut a Batwoman. Uh, written by Carolyn Dries. I'm going to go with Dries. And developed by Brettanini Productions and Warner Brothers Television, Batwoman stars Ruby Rose and a whole bunch of other people. And it's set to premiere. Oh, there we go. I mean, it hasn't even come out yet. Um, Sunday, October 6th, and airs on Sunday at 8 p.m. Check your local listings. Okay, that's cool. Uh, at least I thought it was something a lot worse than that. Uh, yeah, I know. I just said uh, something a lot worse than herniated discs. But, you know, the way the article read, I thought it was something more severe. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that it was just uh, – I mean, how do I say this? I'm, I'm sounding like a jerk. <laughs> um, I'm glad it wasn't something super serious that – Surgery could not have fixed. And probably what they did is they probably fused the two discs together. And it, it probably does suck. And, but, you know, the pain is probably gone. And she probably has feeling in her arms again. That's the bright side. Maybe not do your own stunts. You know, I just, I, I, I you know, as a director or even a producer, if you're shelling out big cash and you're promoting a single individual, you're branding this individual as the lead character of a multi-million dollar TV series, I personally would not allow them to do their own stunts for that reason. Okay, say you are halfway through filming Batwoman, right? Season one, halfway through, and something happens where she's injured and she can't continue to work. Now you neither A, cancel the entire series, or B, you have to reshoot everything that you've already shot. Uh, I just, I wouldn't do that, honestly. I, I just, nah. Nah, no thank you. Okay, let's see if this pulls up. My computer is running a little slow. Oddly, it's running slow. I don't know why. All right. This is, uh, you know, I'm, I was born in 77, so I'm 42 going on 43. And I am the South Park generation. You know, when South Park first came out, I was one of those morons that were was watching them. I, I admit it. I just like. The raunchier it was, the better it was. I enjoyed it. I still catch myself enjoying it. Uh, I don't, you know, the I'm I'm very liberal, and I was talking about that last week with my guest uh, Jennifer Nash. You know, I'm very liberal with my kids and letting them watch things. South Park is not one of them. Not let them watch South Park, but on occasion I will find myself watching it by myself. Okay, so with all that said, it says, South Park, Randy Marsh wages a Norco's war on his own marijuana industry. Wait, what? Yeah. 
Oh, don't freeze up on me. There we go. Oh, goodness. This thing's starting to slow down on me. No. The uh, cookies and, and spyware and crap like that. Okay. Uh, of course, mandatory warning. Warning. The following article contains major spoilers for South Park Season 23 premiere. Mexican Joker. Yes, it's called Mexican Joker. Randy Marsh becomes one of the South's best characters in 2010 with medical fried chicken. When the town's KFC becomes a medical marijuana dispensary, he gives himself cancer so he can smoke for recreation. And other residents quickly follow suit. Now, season 22 ends with Randy moving to the outskirts of town, opening Tragedy Farms with his family, and finally achieving his ambitions of supplying South Park with copious amounts of marijuana. However, in season 23 premiere, Mexican Joker, Randy makes an about-face, opting to wage war on his own industry for self-gain. That does not make sense to me. Now, wait. So, get all this in. So, he started his own dispensary. And then he went on to make his own... Um, let's see. He, he made his own plantation. Not plantation. His own farm, I guess. Uh, let's see what it says. It says, Randy very much concerned when his inventory manager, Stan, reports numbers are dwindling and the demand isn't there anymore. He crunches the numbers and it seems people aren't buying as much as before the season started, which leads Randy to Randy going on a farmer's inquest, stocking, or shockingly finding out that South Park citizens are indulging in homegrown meat. That's right. They're planting their seeds and acting as their own supplier and catching like wildfire. No longer is Randy's business one that makes fun of how coffee and craft beer industries have evolved, viable as initially envisioned, and so he decides something must be done. The landscape becomes similar to Netflix narcos. As Randy's by hipsters known as Medmen, who want to invest in his company and unify their with their poking fun of the real world marijuana moguls known as Medmen. I did not know that. They see him as having the experience, while they've got the cash to expand. The only thing standing in the way of their competition and their con conquit, a plan to scare people out of home growing. Sadly, it's a terrorist plot that ties into the title of episode of the episode because Randy becomes a bomber, leaving ICE and the government thinking it's a it's some Mexicans who are angry with how immigrants are being treated. Uh, okay, interesting. 
Randy wires the town garden after breaking into Folks' yard with explosives, and in the act that made Heath Ledger's Joker proud, he blows them all to kingdom come, killing innocent families along the way. It's gory, graphic, and pulls no punches, as South Park usually tries to do. The disturbing thing is Randy doesn't see the sin he's committing. Obsessed only with MedMen's potential and the profit to be made. He's so dumb he doesn't even understand when his family tells him that not only are these millennials using him, if he keeps bombing competition, he's actually murdering his customers too. Well, yeah, that kind of... But you know... There's been some really good episodes with Randy Martin. But, yeah, he's uh, – what was that one? It's just recently, not too long ago. It was um, the troll. You know, he was the internet troll. They were going to reverse engineer it and figure out who was the the internet troll. And I remember he was freaking out. But as is typical of Randy, he can't see the obvious and doesn't understand logic. He's on a mission as Narco's head, looking at homes as cartels and enemies he has to take out, with ICE going after Mexicans as the Joker and not Randy. He's pretty much in the clear to do whatever he wants, so it'll be intriguing when the cops do find out that the terrorist is a full-blooded American who just cares about making money. It remains to be seen how homeowners will fight back as it's uh, excuse me as it's their constitutional right to grow their own weed and what new cartels will give or get involved because as we know Norco's war usually involves several other players who want the drug trade to benefit them and them alone so while Randy may be clearing out his competition he could well be painting a target on his own back. Well, yeah, especially when you start realizing that there's nobody else but Homeboy. So we will find out. I'm, I'm curious to find out. All right, gang, we are circling the corner. We're getting ready to wrap this bad boy up. Um, I've got one more news article I'm going to read to you, and then we will jump into the toy of the week, which is Halloween-themed, and it will be for the entire month. All right, this one says, Harley Quinn destroys a DC Universe Landmarks in Birds of Prey trailer. Um, do I want to talk about my feelings about Birds of Prey? No, I'll just read it. Um, it says the first full-length trailer of Birds of Prey, and it's got some long old. I, I it just we'll just call it Birds of Prey because we're low on time. Heralds the long-awaited return of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, the breakout star in 2016 Suicide Squad. <sighs> Hello, Wolf of Wall Street. She was the wife. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. It just said she bro a broke out star in 2016, but she was she was a star way before Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. She just became famous with the nerds in 2016. Uh, footage promises a wild adventure through the 
streets of Gotham as Dr. Harlan Quazel distances herself from the relationship with the Joker, symbolized not only by the hand-drawing target on her apartment wall, but also in the destruction of a local key to the trademark origin of the Crown Prince of Time. Crown, I'm getting, ugh, I'm getting tongue-tied. Crown Prince of Crime. While the trailer rises, a lot of questions. One thing is clear. Despite the presence of the character like Black Canary Huntress, Rene Montoya, which is, uh, isn't she somebody's girlfriend? Like a bat woman, I think. I think. Cassandra Kane, this is Harley's film. She may be anguished in the opening moments, but her split with the Joker, but in okay, I'll keep, just keep reading. But in the final scenes, she's absolutely joyous about her newfound freedom as she walks towards the camera, smiling as a fire rages behind her. Although the name of Robbie and her co-stars may be distracting, look past them to see the source of the explosion: Ace Chemicals, long depicted as the place where the the criminal, the Red Hood, fell into the vat of chemicals and emerged as the Joker. Okay. Yes, in Birds of Prey, Harley will at some point raz the plant that not only gave birth to Joker, but to her villainous alter ego as well, as seen in the flashback segment of 2016 Suicide Squad. The destruction of Ace Chemicals is a noteworthy not just because the, the building's important in the Batman mythology, but also for the symbolic nature. The Joker may not appear in this film, but the chemical plant is virtually synonymous with him. Harley destroying Ace represents her cutting ties with that part of her life. What's more, it ties into the Easter egg from Shazam. In a scene in which Freddie Freeman films the budding superhero as he tests his newfound powers in the ruins of the abandoned warehouse, which the sign reads, Ace Chemicals. And it is going to be directed by Kathy Yan from the script of Christina Hodson. Birds of Prey and the fabulous... Fabulo, I don't know. I'm not even going to try it. Uh, stars a whole bunch of actresses with uh, Margot Robbie. And it's due out the day before PCE, February 7th, 2020. All right, gang. Uh, yeah, uh, I might be passing that one up. Just uh, just to be honest with you, it just, nah, I just, it doesn't feel like Harley Quinn, so. It's, uh, it, yeah, <laughs> I think it might be a money grab. So if anybody goes sees it and they say, oh, wow, it's great. Let me know. I'm interested. All right, kids. Uh, we are here at the final bit of our My Public Life is an American Nerd with the toy of the week. Now, since this is Halloween and... I I'm a collector of this particular item. And 
I do not have this particular item, so if anybody wants to buy it for me and donate it to me for a Halloween gift or just, you know, you're such a nice guy gift or whatever gift, I would openly take it. Absolutely. And what I'm talking about is a Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy Krueger chef figure. Uh, if you ever seen Nightmare on Elm Street number five, the Dream Child, he comes out in. Um, oh my gosh, what's her name? It was right there. Oh, Greta. Greta. Um, Greta fell asleep and he came out and stuffed her, and she died. Anyway, let's see what. The product description says, it says, from the cult classic, wow, really? Yeah, I guess it's pretty old now, huh? From the cult classic Nightmare on the Street movies, this clothed action action figure is based on Freddy's memorable appearance as the chef in Dream Child. Freddy stands eight inches tall and is fully articulated. He comes with the chef hat and a gruesome serving tray with removable lid. Blistering packaging. With resealable protective clamshell, features custom artwork created by Nathan Thomas Miller just for this release. Product features is 8 inches tall, made of plastic, based on the Nightmare on Elm Street, number 5, The Dream Child, fully posable, real fabric chef suit. Elm Street house lights up. I did not see the Elm Street house in this picture, but that's cool. Uh, let's see. Box contains Freddy figure, hat, and serving tray. And it is only $32.39. And that comes from the Big Bad Toy Store. You can go to www.bigbadtoystore.com and if you want, you can order it for me. Hint, 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 hint. I'm teasing. Not really, but I don't think anybody listens anyway, so it's okay. Yay! <laughs> I'm just being stupid. All right, gang. Thank you so much for coming in uh, and checking this out. Uh, let me know what you think of the story. Let me know what you think about the articles. Just let me know. I, I'm just, uh, it's late. I'm tired and I've got a full day ahead of me tomorrow. So for this week, for my public life as an American nerd, I am David K. Montoya. And as always, I bid you adieu.